Well, good morning. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Central Presbyterian Church, where we seek transformation through the renewing work of the Lord Jesus Christ. This Advent, we are going, working our way through a series called What Child Is This? And on this third Sunday, we examine that the Lord was made Emmanuel, which means God with us. And it will change everything in your life. There's a tradition in music to, uh, for musicians to comment on cultural issues, cultural problems, especially when they feel like their values are in conflict with the rest of the world. And uh, Simon and Garfunkel did this in 1966 when they played a version of Silent Night with Walter Cronkite reading the 7 o'clock news recorded over the song. I think their point was, what good is all this peace on earth when we hear the same thing on earth every night? Murder, hardship, oppression, it just fills up the news. What good's a silent night if nothing ever changes? Modern musicians, Phoebe Bridgers and Matt Berninger of The National reprised this same song in 2019, and they updated the news, the newscast, as Phoebe Bridgers sang Silent Night in the background, and Berninger read the, the news from the day, certainly with a progressive spin. All the while, Silent Night is going. Same question. What good is the silent night when the world is in such a mess? You too put her finger on a finer place, a finer point, by their song, Peace on Earth. Maybe you've heard it before. The background of the song is, is from the history of violence in their native Northern Ireland, and specifically with mothers who had lost children to the violence there. Never had an opportunity to say goodbye to their children. Never had an opportunity to kiss them goodbye. The refrain of that song, Peace on Earth, goes like this. Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth. To tell the ones who hear no sound whose sons are living in the ground? Peace on earth. Jesus, in the song he wrote, the words are sticking in my throat. Peace on earth. I hear it every Christmas time, but hope and history won't rhyme. So what's it worth? this peace on earth? It's a powerful song. It's a good question. What good is all this peace on earth? It's an unsettling question. There are people in our culture who think about this promise of peace as more or less an exercise in annual wishful thinking in our culture. But is it just that? Is peace really possible? The answer is yes. Even in a world gone mad like ours, peace is possible because Emmanuel has come. God with us has come and taken up residence in this world. So therefore, peace is possible. Now, our texts from Isaiah this morning come to us from a world that's not all that dissimilar from ours in important ways. Isaiah's world was a mess, just like ours. The kingdom of Judah and the city of Jerusalem was under attack with a combined army of Israel in the north and Syria in the northeast. And these two enemies, Israel and Syria, now put their armies together and aimed them right in Judah and Jerusalem. And King Ahaz and the rest of people living in Jerusalem wondered, will God's people survive? What hope do we have for tomorrow or the next year or the, in the years to come? Actually, what hope do we have that God will keep his covenant promises? Because it seems to us in this moment like hope and history aren't rhyming. Our hanging on to the promises of God seem to be only putting us in danger right now. It's a world that's not all that different from ours. 
to the people of Isaiah's day, the Lord spoke to fearful people, threatened people, and he spoke a sign of his favor, a sign of blessing to give them hope in the midst of a world gone mad. And the Lord is still speaking the same kind of blessing and favor in our world today. We might not be threatened in the same way as Isaiah's day, but we do know a world in mess and we do know what it feels like to fear in our families, fear in our lives. Whether you're threatened by a job loss or threatened by an illness or a loss of life or or threatening in your relationships, chaos in your family life as you come to this Christmas season. We know what fear feels like. We know what an absence of peace feels like. So where do you turn? Where do you turn for peace when your world's falling apart? And you can't find it anywhere. No matter how hard you look for it, it's just not to be had. When the mess of history, the mess of your life doesn't rhyme with the hope that you try to hang on in your heart. What do you do then? Who can you trust? Peace, real peace, comes from the knowing the Redeemer that's promised in these verses. The word made Emmanuel means God with us. That's where real peace comes from. Knowing the God who is here. Let's pray as we turn our attention to Isaiah's prophecy. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes by the power of your spirit, that we would behold Jesus here. We ask that you would help us to see him and believe him and hear from him and follow him this morning as your children. So Lord, we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to invite you to turn in your Bible or in the pew Bible in front of you to Isaiah chapter 7. It's page 572 in the pew Bible in the rack right in front of you. We'll look at Isaiah 7 and then read some verses from Isaiah 9 as well. Hear God's word, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And flipping over one page to chapter 9, where the Lord gives more assurances of God with us, demonstrating other names by which he could be called, striking different notes of hope. Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is God's good news of great joy 
Glory to God in the highest. Emmanuel, that theme of God with us, isn't an invention of Isaiah in this passage. But rather, it's, it's a foundational conviction that we find all through the Old Testament. It's found in the promise of knowing a God who is with us in his interaction with Jacob in Genesis 28, where the Lord told him, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. You might know that story. Jacob's future was completely in question. He had no idea what lay in front of him in the years ahead, and yet God promised him, I am with you. I go with you wherever you go. I am there, Jacob. And then when Moses was out in the field tending a flock, the Lord heard the cries of his people in their enslavery to Egypt. And God spoke to Moses from the burning bush, you remember? He said, Moses, go to Pharaoh and call my people out of slavery. Now, obviously, Moses had no expectation that Pharaoh was going to listen to him. And he was in, even more so, he was on the run. He had killed an Egyptian. He was on the run from Pharaoh's authority. I'm sure he wondered, what do you mean, God, go back to Egypt? What do you mean, go to that place where I'm afraid and, and, and know the hardship that waits me there? And yet God spoke to him. In Exodus 3, 12, he says, but I will be with you. You can go into that hard place, Moses, because I am going with you. And who hasn't been deeply comforted by David's words in Psalm 23? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That theme is all through the Old Testament. God is with us. But what makes Isaiah's prophecy so amazing is that he says God with us will be fulfilled in a person. In a child, he's the word made Emmanuel, took on flesh and dwelt among us as his people. That's what makes this incredible. Now, maybe with people, God's people across the years and the centuries, we ask, what child is this? What is he like? And can I trust him? Can I trust him to give me peace when hope and history aren't rhyming in my life? When the silent night is sung in a world that's in such a mess, even my own world, my own life in such a mess. Can we trust this God with us? I'm going to lay out for us three scenarios that are presented in Isaiah 9 as opportunities that we have to trust Emmanuel, trust God with us. And the first one is this. We can trust Emmanuel when we feel lost. When we feel lost. Look at verse 2. Isaiah speaks to a people who walk in darkness, those who dwell in deep darkness. These were a people who were facing the threat of exile, being carried out of their land all the way to Babylon, away from the Lord's presence, away from the promised land that God had given to them. They were people wandering, lost and unsure of which way to go. How do we make sense of this? Unsure of where God is, because you don't seem to be protecting us right now, God unsure of what his rescue might look like or, or when it would ever come. They were lost. You ever feel lost? Maybe you feel lost right now, lost in your own life, not sure where it's going, not sure what the future looks like, not sure how to make sense of tomorrow or next week or next year, and you feel lost. Some of you might feel lost in your relationships, unsure if they're going to last Unsure how to, where you stand in relationships. 
Maybe you feel lost in your home. Even with the people who are the closest to you, you feel disconnected, alone, isolated, lost, and under your own roof. To all different kinds of people who are lost like we are, the Lord has shown a great light, he says in verse 2. That light is a sign of his presence and sign of his purpose to rescue and save all of us who are wandering in darkness and are lost. Look back at verse 14 of chapter 7. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The light in our darkness comes as a child conceived in the womb of a virgin. And he was a baby like any other baby. He cried. He was helpless. He had needs. He needed to be fed and taken care of. And at the same time, he was unlike any other child in the history of humanity. Because his name is Emmanuel. But it's not just a name. His name is God with us, but he literally was God come down. God come into this earth. God in the flesh. He came down and God with us was a reality. And his people could behold the glory of God in this child. The presence of God took residence in this world through this child, through this baby. The light of his glory would shine in the darkness of all of his people. And they could follow him. He could lead them as a wonderful counselor, as it says in verse 6. They could trust the guidance of this God, even in the darkness. You can too. It was the same promise that Matthew cited in chapter 1, verse 23. And he said that promise of Emmanuel is fulfilled in Jesus. He was the child born to Mary. The God made flesh is the God who is long promised to his people. He's the one who's come into the world as the light of the world who will guide us through our darkness. He's a wonderful counselor. He came into this world. To, he took on flesh to light the path of life for you, to light the path of joy, the path of the love of God in your life. He has come to speak. He's come to lead. He's come to guide you and me. But sometimes... His light only illumines one step at a time. Sometimes we want God to show us the way. We want his wonderful counselor to show us two steps down the road or 10 steps or 50 steps down the road. But the Lord sometimes only gives us one step at a time, just enough light to take one more step. It might feel like it's risky to follow that wonderful counselor when you don't have any more light. You can't see the future. You can't control the future. But Emmanuel will light the way out of the darkness. Even if it's only one step at a time, it is safe to follow that one step the Lord puts in front of you. He is the light of the world. He is a wonderful counselor. He lights the way out of our guilt and our shame. For this Emmanuel, God with us, reminds us that his name is also Jesus, which means God saves. This Emmanuel is the servant of Isaiah chapter 53, who on the cross would bear the guilt of his people, where it says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. By his wounds, we are healed. For this light of the world is also the lamb who was slain for us. Following him, trusting him, surrendering our lives to him is the way out of the darkness in our lives. Maybe you're here this morning feeling ignored, feeling uncared for. Maybe you're even wondering, 
Does God really love me? Can he really love someone like me who's done what I've done, who's thought what I have thought, who's been where I have been? Can God love someone like me? It's that same Emmanuel who prayed in John 17 that we would know that God the Father loves us even as he loves Jesus. Think about that for a moment. That God loves you just as, just like the full extent of as he loves his own son, Jesus. That's how God loves you. That's how he feels about you. You aren't alone in the darkness. You are as beloved to God the Father as Jesus is beloved to God the Father. You aren't lost. If you've trusted Jesus, you have been found by the love of God. Safe to follow after him. You can trust Emmanuel when you are lost. Second, You can trust Emmanuel when you are outmatched. Is there anything going on in your life that seems too big for you to handle? It's too much. It's too big. It's too confusing. It's too troubling. I, I can't wrap my arms around it. It's too big for me. In the face of that, you can trust Emmanuel, God with us. Maybe you've grown weary everything that's gone wrong, everything that's broken in this world, and nobody can fix it. There's so much wrong in our world. We wonder, who's the leader? Who's the person? Who can, who can bring the solution? And it, time after time after time, no one has a plan. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you're tired. Maybe what you're facing is the destruction and, and death and illness in your own family and nobody can do anything to stop it. The doctors can't find a solution and you're so worn out and outmatched by this death and disease. You're outmatched by things inside your own heart. Maybe it's not stuff out there. Maybe there are things that lurk in your own heart and as hard as you've tried to set them aside, as hard as you've tried to turn away from them, they, they still are there. There are places in this world where hope and history don't rhyme. It's hard to hang on to hope in a world that's as messed up as ours and often in lives as messed up as ours. It's not a foreign position for the people Isaiah spoke to in his prophecy. See, he lays out his book, The Exile, and the bondage that God's people experienced as they were carried off into Babylon. It's just a picture It's a picture, it's an image of the deeper bondage that all of us have to sin and death. And there's nobody who can handle it. There's no one who can free us from that bondage. There's no one who can do anything about it. So who do we trust in those moments? We can trust Emmanuel, God with us, who's called the mighty God here. And that little word mighty carries a very large hope because it means something like heroic This Emmanuel delivers us in a a mighty, in a heroic fashion as on the day of Midian, he says in verse 4. Now, if you're really, really familiar with your Bible, you might know what Isaiah is referring to when he talks about Midian. He's going back to Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8, where the enemies of God's people were encircled by the, the massive army of Midian and they were being threatened to be completely destroyed. All of God's people wiped out. And in response, Gideon, the judge, raised up an army of 32,500 soldiers to go out and fight against the Midianites. But God said, Gideon, 
Your army is far too large. I want you to make it smaller. So it went from 32,000 to 24,000 to 10,000. It kept on going down. Why in the world would God make his people dependent on an ever smaller army? Why would he do something like that? To prove to them that they aren't the one who fights the battles alone. They aren't able or capable of saving themselves. And so God put them in this place where he reduced their army from 32,000 down to 300. 300 people, 300 soldiers to fight this massive army and they're completely encircled. They had no hope. And then God gave them the worst battle plan in the history of battle plans. These 300 people were supposed to blow trumpets and break jars to make noise and then wave torches around in the night. That's their battle plan. And it worked. It worked. The, the, the army of Midian panicked at all this sight and the sound and they began to kill each other. The army of Midian defeated itself and God's people were protected. They were delivered. They were saved and they had almost nothing to do with it. They were outmatched and yet they could never save themselves. And Isaiah says that is how Emmanuel will deliver us as he did on the day of Midian. But even in a more spectacular fashion, the army, the, the soldiers that we depend upon to deliver us isn't an army of 32,000. It's not 24,000, not 10,000. It's not even 300. The one who will deliver us his forces narrowed down to one. It's Emmanuel. He's God with us. God himself, God by himself will deliver you and me. God himself will take care of all these problems that we can't solve. The problems in our world, the problems in our heart, the, the problem with our sin and our shame and our death. The Lord, Emmanuel, God with us, the small, the child born to Mary, laid in a manger, will be the same person who walks the road to Calvary, bearing his own cross, where he suffered and died on that cross to defeat all of our sin, all of our bondage to selfishness, our bondage to death itself, our bondage to sin, all of these things from which we can't free ourselves. But Emmanuel can. It's like the great Christmas hymn, Joy to the World, sings. He came to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Any touch, any taint, any harm that sin brings into the lives of God's people, Jesus came to restore. He came to repair in that place. Paul Tripp wrote this in his devotional this week on this idea. He said, you know... Jesus didn't simply come to rescue disembodied souls. Yes, he saves our souls from eternal damnation and we should be eternally grateful for that. But he also came to unleash his powerful, restoring grace to the furthest extent of sin. He came to restore every single thing that sin has broken. He came to fix all of it. His redemptive message is as complete as sin's destruction is comprehensive. Do you hear that? He came to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He continues. The Christmas story 
is an invitation to you to be part of the greatest single transformation that history has ever or will ever see. And the grace of the cross is your entrance fee. God himself paid it. God himself has promised to right the wrongs. God himself has promised that he will undo the effects of sin when he returns. God himself has promised that you can trust Emmanuel for he was crucified for us. It's because of that bloody cross and the empty tomb and the occupied throne, every place in your life where you were outmatched by sin, every single longing that you have for the world to finally be set right can be met in Jesus and will be met in Jesus when he returns in power and in glory. Isaiah says, of the increase of his government, the increase of his ruling of the world, there shall be no end. Jesus shall be completely victorious. There shall be no end of his ruling in your life and over your life and ruling this world through your life. In whatever way you feel like you are outmatched, concern you have about your life, worries you have in your heart, worries about our world or your children or your grandchildren, what's the world going to be like? The mighty, heroic God is more than powerful enough to meet every concern of your life. Whenever you're outmatched, whenever you're facing something that you can't handle by yourself, you can trust Emmanuel, God with you. And finally, you can trust Emmanuel when we need a home. Where in your life do you feel like you don't fit? You just feel like you're just a little bit off. Maybe you feel like you don't fit in your own family. It's possible for us all to feel like orphans sometime. We're, we don't, we're not sure who loves us. We're not sure anyone is looking out for us. Anyone is watching over us. Anyone has their eye on us to, to see us and know us and be concerned about us. We feel like we're out here all by ourselves. Where do you long to fit and you don't fit right now? Where do you long for a safe place to be fully known and yet completely loved? You can trust Emmanuel, God with us, when you need a home like that. Isaiah calls him here the everlasting father in verse 6. When Isaiah wrote that, he wasn't thinking about the interrelationships of the Trinity, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Rather, he's thinking about the character of this Emmanuel, the character of this God with us, and he has a father-like character. He's thinking of the character of God who is compassionate and tender and God is present with us as a good father would be. But God is a perfect father for you and for me. And he's added us to his family. He's made us his own children. He sees what's going on in your life and he takes a step closer, not further away. He sees the distress in your life. He sees the alienation that you feel. And this Jesus takes a step closer to you, to love you. Even when we had hostility toward God in our lives, we were God's enemies. By Emmanuel's grace, the favor of God has moved toward us, moved into our lives. And his love is lavished upon us as his precious daughters and sons. 
This Emmanuel is not only God with us, but he embodies God for us. I hope you know this morning that God is for you. Jesus longs for your life to feel full. He longs for your life to where you feel loved, completely known and loved by the one who made you. He is the one who joins us to his life through faith. It's through submitting your life to Jesus, trusting him and surrendering your life to say, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins and I put my entire life in your hands. Wherever you lead, I will follow. Through that faith, you are united to Jesus and his life is in you and your life is hidden in his. You are completely loved by God if you trust him today. You don't remain an orphan. None of us are orphans if we have been loved by God. We've been welcomed into his family. I know it feels like that sometimes. But I want you to know you have a home. You have one to whom you belong, who loves you and gave himself for you. You have a father. You have a family who loves you, who will surround you. Are you homesick? Maybe you feel homesick for the place where things finally get made right. Emmanuel has sealed that promise for us in his own blood. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Because Emmanuel has come down. God with us has come into your life. You will never walk alone ever again. You have a place. You have a home forever with God where everything will one day be as it should be. If you're longing for a home, you can trust Emmanuel. If you're longing for a place where you fit, collapse into the arms of the one who gave himself for you. Who can help us? Who can help us when our hopes and our hearts don't match the mess of history out there? They're not rhyming. They're not playing together very well. Who's going to save us? Who can we trust? We can trust Emmanuel. I want you to hear his invitation clearly this morning. Pastors have been giving invitations to come to Jesus for hundreds of years. I want you to hear this one for you today. To all who are weary and in need of rest. To anyone who feels lost and in need of light. Who mourn and long for comfort. Who feel worthless and wonder if God cares. Who fail and desire strength. Who sin and need a savior. Receive in your heart the welcome of Jesus, for he is the ally of his enemies. He is the defender of the guilty. He's the justifier of the inexcusable. This Jesus is a friend of sinners, including you and me. You can trust that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with you, and let his hope be born in your heart. Let's pray. Lord, we confess we don't deserve to be loved like that. We don't deserve your tender compassion.
We don't deserve your presence of blessing and favor in our lives, and yet you promise it to us in Jesus. We are so thankful for this incredibly unlikely story of how we might be saved, that we don't put our trust in horses and chariots and armies or political leaders. We put our trust and our hope in the God who came. For you are the only one who can bear the weight of all that is broken and wrong in this world. You went to the cross to bear it. You were raised from the dead to have victory over it. And now, Jesus, you reign from the throne as the conquering, victorious son. Lord, help us to find our home. Help us to find our strength. Help us to find our light in you. As we come to you this Christmas season, some of us bear heavy loads and bear wounds and bear loss and heartache and anxiety as we come into this season of celebrating your birth. We pray, Jesus, that you would come near, that you would be Emmanuel, God with us. Touch us in our place of heartache and bring us healing and hope that we might show the world that we can trust you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.